Thanks for listening and subscribe today for our new Substack newsletter. That's Michael Medved's context placing today's big events in the unique perspective of our past and our future. Go to michaelmedved.substack.com and sign up today for my uncensored take on current controversies. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day after a great victory last night for former President Donald J. Trump. He uh, won the Iowa caucuses by uh, slightly over half of the people who voted. And the big issues were the issues that favored his candidacy all along. Uh, There was a very close race between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis for second place. What does it all mean? Well, you know that old saying that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Well, today is the first day of the rest of the campaign. President Trump began it in an unconventional manner. He's in a courtroom today uh, and a courtroom uh, regarding how much he is going to be asked to pay to Eugene Carroll, who uh, accused him and was judged by another a jury to be uh, responsible about the accusation. He was accused of sexual assault. The jury said, yeah, he did it. He assaulted her in the dressing room in a department store. What they did not say is that he actually raped her, which is what she has claimed. The idea that the day after his Iowa victory, this is what President Trump is talking about, uh, just as they say on Axios, fresh off his decisive win in the Iowa caucuses, former President Trump uh, was in a Manhattan courtroom today for the start of a civil trial over a defamation lawsuit successful defamation lawsuit, by the way, according to the first jury, filed by author Eugene Carroll. Uh, Trump's attendance at the hearing was voluntary. He has already been found liable for defamatory remarks he made against Eugene Carroll when he denied her rape accusations in 2019. So the jury now is going to be asked to determine how much exactly he owes Carroll in damages. Extraordinary. <laughs> this is not the normal way you would prepare for the uh, New Hampshire primary. The New Hampshire primary coming up and uh, lots of worries about a surprise on the Democratic side. Why? Because uh, President Biden made the same kind of decision that Lyndon Johnson made in 1968. He has not put his name on the ballot. And it's not that he was prevented by the 14th Amendment or he wasn't prevented by some kind of age issue. It's uh, just he decided not to. And uh, right now, polling in New Hampshire shows that... um, that Dean Phillips, the Democratic congressman from Minnesota, who is running against Joe Biden, and he basically has all kinds of positive things to say about Joe Biden. It's just that he feels that Biden is too old. In any event, uh, Dean Phillips is already polling over 20%. So if um, it ends up that Dean Phillips does significantly better than that, get something like 40% against Biden, it's going to shake up his campaign. And that campaign is uh, shaken up uh, with 
by plenty of other things. There's a new poll in Georgia that shows that in a one-on-one competition in the state of Georgia, which is a crucial swing state, uh, President Trump would beat Biden by eight points. And uh, that is not good news for the Biden campaign. Your reactions to the Iowa caucuses, the Iowa caucuses do not spell the end to everybody else's campaign, but to somebody else's campaign. Uh, Asa Hutchinson, the former governor of Arkansas, former official with the DEA, uh, somebody who had served time in the House of Representatives, well-qualified, a mainstream Republican, but somebody who was uh, very critical of President Trump. He appeared only in the first debate because that's the only one in which he got enough uh, response on the polling to qualify for the debates. In any event, Asa Hutchinson withdrew from the race last night. He... Um, Part of part of the reason he withdrew, it says uh, in uh, the uh, AP story, Hutchinson's exit came a day after he finished sixth in Iowa's leadoff caucuses, well behind Trump and other top rivals, but also behind Ryan Binkley, who is a pastor who failed to qualify for any of the debates. Hutchinson was the last GOP candidate remaining in the race who was willing to directly take on Trump. The the idea that he he finished worse than Ryan Binkley, Ryan Binkley's never run for public office. He's never held public office. Uh, Asa Hutchinson is a two-term governor of Arkansas. He uh, was a congressman from Arkansas. He was in the Bush administration and the Drug Enforcement Administration. And and he's a good guy and well qualified. The fact that he got um, just barely over one percent and fewer votes than Ryan Bink- Binkley, who campaigned enthusiastically in Iowa, that's uh, appalling. By the way, Ryan Binkley isn't going anywhere any either. During the campaign, he failed to register beyond a single percentage point. This is Asa Hutchinson in most polls and drew sparse crowds, even as the Republican presidential field winnowed from more than a dozen candidates down to a handful. Another competitor, uh, biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, dropped out of the race Monday night after finishing fourth in Iowa. He finished fourth with 7%. There's now some conversation about what's going on in New Hampshire, where the most recent poll just released this morning shows uh, Nikki Haley just seven points behind President Trump. It's 39 to 32. And she is likely to benefit from the 12% of New Hampshire voters who said they were supporting Chris Christie. Uh, there is a CNN poll that shows that 65% of Christie supporters would back Haley. So that means if that's true and those Christie supporters end up delivering for Nikki Haley, it's a tie between her and Donald Trump. Uh, There were other surprising elements in some of the uh, entrance polling that they did last night. They didn't do exit polling. They did entrance polling where they talked to people as they were going into the caucuses. And the two most startling events were that uh, two thirds 
just below two-thirds of the caucus participants, of course, who were supposed to be Republicans, that two-thirds believed that Joe Biden was not the legitimate president of the United States, that he had been elected because of fraud and a rigged election. And uh, there was another two-thirds who... uh, said that they would uh, not be troubled or have a negative reaction if uh, President Trump was convicted of some of the charges that are held against him. And and again, that same two-thirds think he wasn't guilty. Here's the interesting thing, and it's a really important, important matter for understanding what this race is going to look like, is when you look at that and you say, look, people agree with uh, Trump that it was a rigged election, a stolen election. Two-thirds of the Republicans agree with that. And the two-thirds of uh, Republicans say they wouldn't be bothered if Trump is convicted of anything. Okay, that's of Republicans. Could Trump afford to lose a third of the Republican votes on those issues, the issues about whether he was right about the uh, 2020 election and about the stolen election, and people who, uh, oh, two-thirds of Republicans think he isn't guilty of anything? Well, that means one-third of Republicans think he's guilty of something and might reconsider supporting him at all if he is convicted. Are those convictions? Well, it starts today with a jury of nine people just selected. Uh, The court adjourned, coming back together later this afternoon. This is in the E. Jean Carroll case. We'll be following that and all the latest in politics, international affairs, national security, and more coming up on The Medved Show. Thanks for listening and subscribe today for our new Substack newsletter. That's Michael Medved's context, placing today's big events in the unique perspective of our past and our future. Go to michaelmedved.substack.com and sign up today for my uncensored take on current controversies. Michael Medved show over at the hotline this morning. They are reporting, and I, I think they're unquestionably right. No one can argue with this. The Iowa caucuses were a huge victory for Trump, whichever way you cut it. The margin of victory was more than double the previous record. Trump won 98 out of 99 counties. Uh, but one particular way may be especially concerning for Nikki Haley. One GOP strategist told Hotline before the caucuses that Haley would likely unite the same coalition of college-educated and suburban voters as Senator Marco Rubio uh, did in 2016. Marco Rubio finished a very close third in 2016, uh, got 26% of the vote, and Nikki Haley got 19%. But she fell well well short of that, they say at Hotline. Rubio won five counties in 2016. That was when he was running against Trump, and Trump finished second. And uh, Ted Cruz won 
the uh, Iowa caucuses, though one of the candidates who lost uh, said Ted Cruz stole the election. He didn't really win. Now, which candidate do you think? It's a little trivia question. Which candidate didn't win the Iowa caucuses last time, but said that he really did and he was cheated out of it? Uh, The uh, same candidate who will do the same thing if he loses in New Hampshire uh, or if he loses anywhere, if he loses nationally, which is entirely possible for reasons that are worth talking about. In any event, Rubio won five counties in 2016, whereas Haley only won one. She won Johnson County, which is home of Iowa City, which is home of the University of Iowa, which is... uh, one of the leading educational institutions in the country, and certainly it is the leading institution in the state of Iowa. Uh, Johnson County broke for Haley by a single vote. Rubio won the county by over 10 percentage points in 2016. The Florida senator finished third overall in 2016, So Haley will need to bolster her coalition if she wants to come close to Trump. Now, she has every chance of doing that in New Hampshire because New Hampshire allows people who are registered as independents, unaffiliated voters, or even registered as Democrats to vote in in the Republican primary if they choose to do so. And in in Iowa, you actually had to flip your registration. The uh, Haley team was counting on some of that. They didn't get as much as they expected. By the way, there's a brand new Nikki ad, uh, which is airing today in New Hampshire. And I think it's the most effective ad she's had in her campaign so far. It's a 30-second ad that will run statewide on broadcast cable and digital the ad is titled better choice and you'll notice she uh, doesn't slam um, (laughs) Ron DeSantis she slams Trump and uh, President Biden the ad sounds like this the two most disliked politicians in America Trump and Biden both are consumed by chaos negativity and grievances of the past the better choice for a better America? Nikki Haley. I have a different style and approach. I'll fix our economy, close our border, and strengthen the cause of freedom. We need a new generation of conservative leadership to get it done. I'm Nikki Haley, and I approve this message. And uh, there's another version of the ad that, that ends with uh, no drama, no vendettas, no whining, just results. That's, uh, uh, it seems to me, a, uh, an effective pitch, and we'll see how it works for her in New Hampshire. Now, a- again, would it mean uh, after the big victory in Iowa that if Trump uh, loses in New Hampshire that his campaign is in trouble? Well, it it does mean that it would take away that air of inevitability of people proceeding to a coronation. And and again, and I I think what what people really do need to do to see about uh, Trump's vulnerability 
is to look at some of those numbers uh, about Republican voters. There, there seems to be no doubt that among Republican voters, people who identify themselves as a Republican, that that uh, Trump has a clear majority, at least in the state of Iowa, uh, of those voters. But then again, people bring up the differences between Iowa and New Hampshire, and then the differences between New Hampshire and Nevada and uh, South Carolina, which are coming right up. Now, Nevada, uh, Nikki Haley is apparently not even competing. Nevada is a caucus state where the Trump campaign is very organized and they have it locked down and they should be able to pick up all of the delegates in the state of Nevada. Uh, But uh, South Carolina, which is, of course, Nikki Haley's home state, where she's running behind Trump in the polls uh, right now. But the the idea that she could gain some energy there demographically, it does not seem uh, ridiculous. So we shall see. The campaign isn't over, though it is over for Vivek Ramaswamy. We'll play some of his... Uh, concession speech. Again, he finished fourth in the Iowa caucuses. Uh, Trump has five events this week in New Hampshire, and all of the candidates uh, have to confirm whether or not they're going to be appearing at the scheduled debate in New Hampshire. Believe it or not, that's Thursday. That's coming up the day after tomorrow. Uh, Yet another debate. Uh, Is Trump going to join into this one? Uh, he might. He he's, can always surprise people. Depends on his courtroom schedule. Uh, he, he may be preparing his testimony in the E. Jean Carroll alleged rape in the dressing room case, uh, which is not to be confused with the hush money for porn stars case, which is still coming up. Uh, And coming up on the Medved Show, we're going to be joined by a veteran political reporter who has been on the campaign trail, and he's now in New Hampshire. And uh, his name is James Pindell. He is a senior reporter for the Boston Globe. And uh, we're very eager to get his point of view of where the campaign goes from here. Uh, He has a new column on the four questions to watch as the New Hampshire primary gets underway. And uh, there's a real question. Could the next eight days be the last of the 2024 GOP primary? In other words, could Trump, by a big victory in New Hampshire, knock out Haley and DeSantis and all remaining opposition? We'll be right back on The Medved Show. Show. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show uh, James Pindell, who is a political correspondent for the Boston Globe uh, newspaper. And of course, New Hampshire is right next door to Boston. Uh, in fact, uh, Boston media markets uh, sometimes have some influence in New Hampshire. He is covering what is going to be a very important race one week from today. 
uh, they're voting in the New Hampshire primary, and there is a debate scheduled uh, for Thursday night. Uh, James, you've written about that debate and the possibility that Nikki Haley might not participate, in which case uh, Ron DeSantis, who's accepted the invitation to debate, he may be debating himself, right? Well, we all debate ourselves from time to time, don't we? Uh, but I'm not sure that counts as a presidential debate. Uh, so um, <laughs> you're right. Uh, ABC News, uh, with, there's only one TV station in New Hampshire. It's a fun fact. I used to be their political director. Um, and so there's, they have the one traditional New Hampshire primary debate. CNN tried to tack on a second one on Sunday. But it looks like neither one may happen. Nikki Haley saying, I'm not going to get on that debate, sta- debate stage unless Donald Trump's on there with me. And now ABC says they'll give the candidates until the candidates, it being Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, until 5 p.m. Eastern time to either accept this debate or it's not happening. That's 5 p.m. today. Today, yes, 5 p.m. Eastern today. <laughs> and it's actually going to be kind of a big deal. It's not just, oh, you know, we're not going to have a debate. We're not going to, you know, New Hampshire's not going to have their own issues discussed or, or you know, another moment to watch these candidates uh, go at it. But if you think about it, Nikki Haley needs to overcome what is basically a 20-point gap behind Donald Trump if you look at most of the polls. There was one poll, an outlier, that showed her only down by nine. And so if you look at the rest of the seven days, she has to get magic and momentum. And there's no big natural moment that I can point to to say, oh, yeah, this is where things could turn around for her. Uh, There's no debate. There's no big speech. There's no big dinner. She's just going to have to organically do it. And what's so odd about her first day in New Hampshire is that, sure, she's doing a lot of interviews with the New Hampshire governor, Chris Sununu, who's endorsed her. But her only event is at this one of these elite uh, hotels, one of the most elite hotels in the country, uh, way up north where no one lives. And so I don't know how you're going to get momentum that way, but uh, she'll get back into the southern part of the state uh, where half the state lives, which is in the Boston suburbs, to your point. Maybe she can get something going on. But right now, I remain highly skeptical. And the uh, I, I I know that if you talk to people with the uh, Haley campaign, that uh, they believe that her best chance is appealing to Democrats in New Hampshire who really don't have a meaningful primary to vote for, for Dean Phillips or Marianne Williamson. <laughs> uh, and uh, just say, hey, don't waste your vote. Go out and vote for me. Uh, that's the way you can actually vote against Trump uh, before the uh, November election. Does uh, that seem like a workable strategy? Because if you're a Democrat or an independent, you can vote for Nikki Haley. You can vote in the Republican primary in New Hampshire, right? Uh, you can't. Uh, Democrats would have to switch to an independent or Republican by a deadline in October. So at this point, it's Republicans and independents. And you're right to grab onto this. And Nikki Haley is also right. This, If you look at the first four early states, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, this is the date next Tuesday on the map where Donald Trump was always the most vulnerable. In those other states, Donald Trump was polling over 50%. And obviously, that was accurate in Iowa. We saw that last night. Uh, But in New Hampshire, he's always been in the low to mid 40s. 
this is the opportunity here. He's always been very unpopular. He won. He lost both general elections here. He won, obviously, the New Hampshire primary in 2016. Uh, this is the opportunity. And these independents can vote. They will, They could make up 50 percent of the Republican uh, primary vote next week. That's obviously a big deal. But the thing about these independent voters is that they make up their minds late. Uh, they tend to get attracted to a personality. And they're also the least likely to vote of anyone. Uh, so the first step for Nikki Haley is not to convince these New Hampshire independents to vote for her, though she has a lot of support in that group, is simply to get them to care about this race at all and be convinced that it's not all over. Uh, Speaking of uh, all over, uh, I know that uh, on the Democratic side, Joe Biden's name is not going to be on the ballot so that for Democrats who who want to vote in the New Hampshire primary, uh, it's a choice between Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips. is there an organized attempt to do a write-in campaign for Joe Biden? What a great question. And there is. Uh, there's a super PAC supporting it and Democratic leaders supporting it. Uh, I think there's one report calling it like a um, an abused uh, partner in a relationship. I mean, the DNC takes away the Biden. It's not the DNC. Biden asked the DNC to take away the New Hampshire primary and New Hampshire response with, it's okay, honey. I'll still make sure you're okay. Uh, so, and, and the effort is, appears to be working. The recent polls show that 63% or so will write in Biden. I'm glad his name's easy to spell for them, I guess. Um, uh, but it is, it is a complicated thing here uh, because, you know, New Hampshire's all with their branding is you have to show up. You have to come early and often. You have to do the retail politics, go to the bowling alley, go to the diners. And obviously, Biden's not setting foot in the state, and yet they're going to reward him anyway. The whole idea here is that New Hampshire is thinking about 2028 and whether or not they'll have the first in the nation primary. They will by state law, but by sanctioned first primary. And they say they don't want to take the bait by voting for Dean Phillips or anybody else and then have the DNC say, look at those people in New Hampshire. They're such a joke. Okay, this is some personal history, uh, James, that... uh uh, the only time I've ever campaigned for anything in New Hampshire was in 1968 when I was a college student mm-hmm. and uh, came up to New Hampshire a couple of weekends uh, to campaign against Lyndon Johnson. And he was the mm-hmm. last sitting president to uh, try to win uh, with a write-in campaign. And he did. But the opposition, Eugene McCarthy, uh, from Minnesota, the same way that Dean Phillips is from Minnesota, McCarthy, quote, yeah, 43% of the vote, and it was an earthquake. It was really the end of Lyndon Johnson's presidency. Uh, Is that something that could happen if Dean Phillips gets 43%? Yes. This is the problem with what Joe Biden tried to do to New Hampshire. I mean, there's always been an argument that Iowa and New Hampshire are too white. They do not represent the country overall. Uh, uh, But what's really happening, what most people believe is really happening, is Joe Biden got fifth in the last New Hampshire primary. He is polling horribly here. Uh, Almost 60 percent of Democrats said they were hoping that someone else would run. So what he did is he said, "Okay, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to have New Hampshire go first. I'm going to have South Carolina go first, the one state that saved my bacon. 
Uh, and so that way I know I'm going to be secure. But in the process of doing that, He's creating a 1968 situation, as you just mentioned. And I'd love to hear more of your stories of your time campaigning here. Uh, Because, look, now we're not, you know, is 66% or 63%, is that good enough? Um, Is 50% good enough? Is 80% good enough? Now we have to have this intellectual debate, and it's so completely unnecessary. So, yes, he... Joe Biden may say he doesn't care about this contest at all. It may not be up to him. If here's huge signs of vulnerability, it's a big deal. As you know, in 1968, that New Hampshire uh, primary happened. In 19 days later, he got out of the race. That's right. And Bobby Kennedy got in in the between. Uh, We will be right back. James Pindell. Michael Medved show there is official word now that the Israeli military plans to shift uh, its uh, mission in Gaza. Uh, this is uh, not not endorsed by every Israeli or every member of the government, but it is an important bit of news. We will get to that. Uh, there's also an indication that our government is not going to shut down on Friday as it's scheduled to do. I mean, it is it is just one of those weeks that uh, has just huge events uh, involved almost every day. Uh, there's also a question of progress in the negotiations over fixing the border and trying to find some kind of bipartisan effort to stop the disaster that is going on at our uh, southern border. And everyone now agrees that it's a disaster. And then we just, of course, had the Iowa caucuses, big victory for Donald Trump. And now the question is, are they going to have the scheduled debate, uh, which should at least include uh, the two remaining candidates to challenge Trump? Actually, it it should include Trump himself. And... Why wouldn't he uh, go ahead and uh, debate Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis in uh, Thursday night, which is when that debate is scheduled? Uh, who knows? Uh, he was certainly in a good mood and actually uh, started off with a surprisingly conciliatory tone, uh, not uh, trying to rub the faces of his uh uh, defeated candidates into humiliation or some kind of disgrace. Here is the beginning of uh, President Trump's victory address last night, clip two. We're going to seal up the border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. If these numbers hold, the biggest victory for a non-incumbent president in the modern era for this contest. A relatively subdued speech as these things go so far, although here he is right now under under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. Uh, he did take time to praise his rivals, Haley and DeSantis and Ramaswamy by name. Rather un-Trump-like to do that. Uh, gracious, but perhaps a sign of some message discipline, at least for one night. 
Okay, that, of course, was uh, Jake Tapper on CNN uh, cutting in to Trump's announcement speech. He uh, he began, actually, by praising uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, who had just endorsed him because Vivek withdrew. But... Uh, uh, more from uh, Trump's conclusion of his victory speech. He uh, he spoke, uh, that's clip uh, four. Our country is laughed at all over the world. They're laughing at us and they want our country to come back. They want America, you know, they want us to be great again. It's a very simple MAGA, make America great again. And America first. America first is a very important part of America. So we're going to put America first. We're going to make America great again. Again, Iowa, we love you. You are going to, oh, you just go out and buy larger tractors in Moreland. Don't worry about it. And uh, to all of the people standing behind me and all of the people in this room and so many great politicians and great dignitaries and friends, I just want to thank you all. This is a very special night. And this is the first because the big night is going to be in November when we take back our country. And truly, we do make our country great again. Thank you very much, everybody. Great honor. Thank you very much. Okay, that was uh, President Trump's victory statement. Uh, Nikki Haley, who finished uh, third, very close to second, she got about one percentage point below uh, what Ron DeSantis got. But Nikki Haley had uh, also claimed victory, in a sense, because uh, her strong showing allows her to compete in New Hampshire, where she's running way ahead of DeSantis and close to Trump. Uh, here is uh, the former governor of South Carolina, clip nine. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. I was at 2% in the polls. But tonight, Iowa did what Iowa always does so well. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina and beyond, I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. And, uh, of course, that is not accepted by Ron DeSantis. Uh, his uh, speech uh, basically uh, talked about how somehow claiming that he was the underdog in uh, in Iowa, where if you look at the early polling uh, before his campaign seemed to fumble everything when he was just being talked about as a candidate, he's running close to even with Trump. Uh, but he said this in his uh, sort of victory speech last night. This is clip eight. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even 
even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. Uh, That uh, ticket punched idea, uh, that goes back to the 2016 Iowa caucuses where they talked about uh, the various candidates. There would be three tickets punched out of Iowa, uh, meaning the top three finishers would be able to advance credibly. And last time, that meant uh, that the top three people were Donald Trump, who finished second, Ted Cruz, who finished first, and Marco Rubio, who finished a very close third. Uh, Somebody who won't be going on, Vivek Ramaswamy. And oh, how the late night comedians are going to miss him. Uh, This was Ramaswamy suspending his campaign, uh, clip five. This moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. This has to be an America first candidate in that White House. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America first candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement. You know, I'm sure that uh, (laughs) especially after some of the nastiness between the two of them, because Vivek had been campaigning with T-shirts that said, uh, uh, vote for Vivek, save Trump. Uh, whatever that meant. And Trump uh, didn't like that at all. But uh, he... um, Is he going on to prepare another presidential race? Or does he believe that by endorsing Trump at this point, he is going to get some kind of cabinet position? Uh, There has been talk about Vivek Ramaswamy as... Uh, a vice presidential running mate. By the way, can you imagine what what that would be? A, a, a vice presidential debate between uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Again, it's two people with uh, roots in India because uh, um, obviously Vivek Ramaswamy is Indian and he's Hindu. And uh, Kamala Harris, uh, her mother was Indian. Uh, it's a fascinating campaign. So what is the real deal with New Hampshire and the new Israeli strategy in the war and the spending deal to prevent a shutdown of the 